Good morning. Welcome to the 11th episode of Seize the Day with Jim and Winston. Today's topic is really interesting. It's our 11th episode and Winston and I are extremely excited. We're on the cusp of a one-year anniversary of our endeavor. And today's is very interesting topic, Where Uncertainty Can Take You. Yes, I love the title of that. And uh, I got to credit Jim for uh, defining our topic for the week and also um, introducing... Uh, the whole idea to me with uh, through an article that we read uh, through Deepak Chopra there. And uh, I thought that there were some gems in there and we blend that in with some of our own thoughts. But just the food for thoughts, couple of subjects that we're interested in. So I think we'll start off with talking with the value of uncertainty and then maybe we'll follow up with something else there, Jim. What do you think else we can talk about? Oh, we've got uh, where to set expectations. Right you know, contentment and appreciation and how it relates back to expectations and uncertainty mm-hmm. and limited and unlimited growth potential. Yeah. And, and, and like, within all that, we look at where our intuition can play in that, that set of ideas. No, oh, that sounds amazing. It's going to be an amazing seize the day. I mean, <laughs> we're going to go from uncertainty to expectations to contentment to growth. I mean, how exciting is this? Grab your Java. Hold on tight. We're going for it today. <laughs> yeah, and you know we'll we'll kick right into the uncertainty idea. And you know, um, Deepak presented his idea as how it relates to a career. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you don't pursue something with a bit of uncertainty, you may be limiting yourself to growth, or you may be also setting your expectations too low. I agree. You know, so, um, you know, uncertainty means, to me, Mm -hmm. it means that you're entering something where you're going to have to do some learning. Right. You're going to have to figure some things out. And in doing that, that's kind of a process you learn as well. So the better you get at that, you know, sometimes you get, you know, placed with work tasks or even, you know, a personal pursuit that, that uh, you're uncertain how to do it, but you've been down the path enough to know that you can figure it out. Yeah, and that that maybe relates back to our uh, you know one of our previous podcasts about uh, being consciously competent. Right, right. I love that. Yeah, that's the one that that was one of our, our zingers from back in. Uh, let me think back. When was that? Hmm. Oh, that was back in episode five. Wow, about competence and potential. So. Um, you know, it's nice that we everything's coming full circle. And, you know, it's funny, you know, uh, we, we often try to avoid uncertainty. Think about all the things in our lives. We buy insurance, we buy coverages, we buy anything to make it sure that things are going to work out the way they're supposed to be in our minds. But evalu- valuing uncertainty is certainly a, a, an asset because it's through uncertainty that we grow the most, and through uncertainty, opportunities arise that we never could have imagined. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, the timing of the pursuit of uncertainty, I think, needs to be spoken of too. Mm-hmm. I think you know, a um, we all have different roles in life, and maybe if your role is the provider, and you know, the job you're in can cover the mortgage, and you know provide the food on the table and, you know, all those other cost of living issues. Uh, And, you know, maybe you're not far enough along the mortgage or whatever to risk, to risk some uncertainty. You know, maybe that's not the right time. 
Right. And I've heard plenty of entrepreneurs say, well, you know, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? And, and you know, and, and they roll the dice and they take that risk. And that's, that's a personal perspective there as to when you want to take that risk. But personally, you know, my wife and I were coming into a, a aspect of life where, you know, within the next four to six months that we'll be debt free and we have a few investments and, the goal will be to you know build up some savings and things like that. But you know I think that presents some opportunity for uncertainty if the right career or uh, you know decision to you know for income generation comes along. Mm-hmm. I jokingly said to uh, to one of the guys uh, that I work with, who's a bit of a manager to me, uh, I said to him, you know, I explained about the entering the uh, the debt-free phase of life and, and said, you know, you guys are going to have to be careful because you upset me three times and I'm gone in 10 minutes. I, I presented it as the three by 10 rule. <laughs> so, but you know what? It, it, it honestly presents, presents to me lots of, lots of opportunity and the, the ability to pursue a little bit of uncertainty. I love that three by ten rule. That's going to be a zinger <laughs> to keep for a while there, but well, I mean, the, the adjective typically is is not stated as upset, but I'll let our listeners figure that one out. Yeah, <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Three by ten rule, man. That's going to make the day for sure. <laughs> I mean, like you know, it's funny. Our, our, like we we were talking about in uh, previous pods. Uh, a lot of times we don't know where these things go. As you know, for those of us, for those of you out there that don't know us personally. Um, we really don't do the scripted. We just rough, rough out a guideline. We never know what you're going to get. You, this is as live as you're going to get. And we don't edit that much at the end either. So then that's why we lead into our next topic about setting your expectations too low. <laughs> I mean, we set our expectations pretty high in the sense that we value our integrity. We assume that our listeners are just as intelligent uh, uh, as we are or greater than. And uh, we try to cater to making something interesting for you to listen to on your drive back home or on the time when you're sitting back on the lanai and, and enjoying a, a drink. But w- when we talk about setting our expectations too low, what's the first thing that comes to mind, Jim? Oh, to me that comes to mind in being contented in a, in a job that doesn't meet your needs in many perspectives. And we'll go with the first idea of income. Okay. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't provide an income that you would be considered mortgageable, or even one that you can develop. Uh, you know, a little bit of long-term wealth in, or or anything like that. It, it provides the day-to-day needs, but nothing beyond that. Right. Right. Uh, you know, the second is you know from a personal development perspective that you know the job is easy. It's, you know, it's. You know, there's the day-to-day challenge of dealing with people and this and that, but you're not, you're not learning as you're working. You know, so those are probably the two fundamental error areas of expectations that, from a work perspective, you know, need to be looked at. But you know, there's so many other perspectives to to look at your expectations being set too low, and you know, maybe. Um, you know, maybe you're you're content in your fitness program with just, you know, being able to do your workout. It gives you your 20 minutes and it keeps you at a certain level, but it doesn't present any uncertainty in it. And I'll give you a really good example. The other day I went out for a bike ride. Okay. 
And there's about a, you know, uh, I don't know, pretty close to a kilometer long hill that's at a, at a grade that's a, a fairly constant grade and you're able to keep a, a strong cadence in a, in a hard enough gear that by the time you complete that 800 meters or kilometer or whatever, you know, you've kind of, you know, spelled yourself off. You've challenged yourself to keep that cadence over that climb and you know and it's it's at a comfortable grade it's easy to to ride but when you put a little intensity into it and and try to do that then that's that's great and i you know i do that ride or a similar one to that really regularly but at the end of this one there was a level off a little bit of a chance to recover and then a really big hill okay that was i don't know a couple hundred meters but you know at, at the end of being to the point where you need to recover and then to climb the hill again, I got to the point where I had to make the decision. Do I go to the uncertain point or do I turn right and go, you know, back along a return ride that's easy, right? Right. So I chose the uncertain. Uncertain. I got halfway up. I could hear a car coming behind me, so I had to pull over onto the gravel shoulder. And I thought, oh, I could just turn around here. And I thought, no, nope, no, nope, see if you can make it. The Olympics are on. You know, those guys are doing their best. <laughs> Oh, you know, and I, I made it to the top of the hill, and it was it was a pretty good uh, challenge of the anaerobic lactic system, or the, sorry, <laughs> the anaerobic lactic system. So, I love it. you know, I you know I got to that the top of the hill, and the lungs were burning a little, and I was coughing some stuff up, and I thought, wow, you know, that's we've got to do that sometimes. We've got to challenge ourselves and set a higher expectation in you know, our everyday pursuits outside of work. So that, that's just a really, really simple, basic example. But it, it, it was, uh, it, it put a different perspective on the day from meeting and succeeding with a very small challenge. Right. I like that, Jim. You know, I, I think this even carries through to other aspects of our life from our career choices, um, even the relationships we choose uh, with our, our kids or with our spouse. I mean, you know, how, how is it? I mean, you know, I think people have heard the adage, you know, people don't treat you any particular way. You, you train them how to treat you, right? Like, for example, the same person can treat another person fairly well, but when they come up to you, they could treat you really poorly. And somehow, or sometimes, that's created by creating a low expectation of their behavior, right? And not to say that a stranger would be to blame for bad, bad um, treatment, but sometimes... It's actually the people that we know the best. For example, we could be working with a colleague, and maybe from the first time we've met them, we've have set such low expectations of their behavior that they live out our dream, you know. And as a result, I remember working at a place once, and um, coming across a colleague that would always treat people poorly. Um, just have a you know like, be a Mr. Grumpy Pants to put it shortly. And then every time somebody saw him, they try to avoid him and avoid contact with him. And I took a different approach. I thought maybe if I do a little bit of Pollyanna on the dude, he'll kind of brighten up and change his tone. Didn't really work that well. He confronted me in a closed quarter meeting and saying, how could you always be so happy? What's there to be happy about? <laughs> you know, and I said to him, I said, wow, you know, sounds like me being happy has gotten in, in the way of you being unhappy. Sorry <laughs> for that, you know, and he, he just kind of got taken aback by that. And he said, you know, it's not that I'm unhappy. 
I'm just pissed off. And I'm thinking, like, isn't that almost the same? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, where, where's the source of that coming from? And, you know, sometimes I get a little bit sarcastic with people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, my first thought came into mind, geez, Ebenezer. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, eh? And I thought to myself, it was really funny, Jim. Um, after that scenario happened, um, I, I was a social coordinator for one of these um, uh, the company events. And one of them was laser tag. And it's not a, you know, not a casual participation one where you can kind of stand on the sidelines like bowling and pretend you're playing. You have to actively play when you play laser tag, right? Yeah. And after my short interaction with him, the last person I could imagine to sign up would be this fellow. Well, guess who was on the list? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to shoot everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a safe way. But my thought was that, I mean... Uh, somehow what I said got to him to the point he wanted to participate and he had a really good time actually. I think he was a, a different person afterwards too. I think he interacted with the staff more and I thought that he he did he did it by actions not words. He actually looked like he was engaging. Um, he responded to requests when we asked him for stuff and we had to work together and I just thought like I don't know what it was but whatever we did worked and um Sometimes, all that um, setting our expectations and not expecting people to engage or not expecting people to want to participate can surprise you. It could be a great thing so that you don't get disappointed, but it can also be a negative because you what you expect you usually get, right? Yeah, how does that old saying go, uh, you manifest what you believe? Yeah, and you know, you know you, if you set your filter before going to a party and saying that, I'm not going to have a good time, so nobody's going to have a good time. And you turn on your uh, party sunglasses and you scan for everybody not having a good time, you're going to find those people. But if you put on your party glasses and say, I'm going to look for the happy people, you'll find them too. It's just like when you buy a car, a new car, and you think you're the only one with it until you look around and see everybody with one. <laughs> so well, let, Let's just take a... I, I, this sort of train of thought just came to me, but you know, in, sure. in, in your example with your coworker there, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's got the choice in how to behave and look at things. Right. Right. And, um, he's choosing to go in somewhat of a negative direction. I don't think we can dispute, you know, that, that seems to be a, a given there. Right. Mm-hmm. So by taking that choice, I think he's limiting limiting his growth potential of getting to actually know other people mm-hmm. and maybe get the most out of what he needs from them within the workplace. Right, right. Which at the end of the day could be detrimental to his progress within the organization. So Yeah, you know what, I agree. The, I, the, I, the choice is up to you to be, you, you know, to, to, to see things in, certain perspectives and sometimes things need to be looked at at a negative perspective because they're a negative occurrence. It's what we do moving forward after coming to that conclusion that makes the difference. Mm -hmm. No, I I agree. I think it makes a, I I think this, our topics today weave in nicely because um, it it also talks about the, how uncertainty ties into the whole game, right? I, mean, I think part of the reason why that coworker had such a hard time adapting was because he didn't know, um, 
Well, he didn't know what would happen if he actually turned into a nice person. He knew exactly what he was getting for being unfriendly. But to actually venture out and participate um, into activity that he normally would avoid, to avoid social interaction, he really surprised us all. I was kind of amazed when he actually showed up, and I thought to myself, wow, I mean, as much as I thought that was strange almost, I thought that great for him for taking a risk, you know? He, he was comfortable feeling uncertain for a moment, anyways. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you get the greatest reward in mm -hmm. things that really mean things in life, you know, basically personal relationships when you're willing to be vulnerable. And that's the, that's the presentation of uncertainty. Agreed, agreed. And then it's like when you go and um, for every person who's married or been in a, a relationship at all, um, they've had to take a risk at some point to, to make a simple statement to say that they show interest in the other person or they, they care for them or they like them enough to the point where they formalize the relationship. And then at that point, that's uncertainty. And yet, look at the rewards of that union, right? Um, if yes, you set, absolutely. You know, if you set your expectations too low or you don't expect anything from the other person, it may not happen. But I also know friends that are perpetual friends of people, but not significant others of other people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, they, and they wonder, how come I can't have a steady relationship or why do why don't people want me that way? And I'm saying, well, have you ever set your expectation out there from the beginning? Have you ever thrown it out there that you didn't just want to be a friend? You know? You have to sort of lay down some expectations that are a little bit higher. Although I think in our society, to avoid being hurt, we tend to downplay our expectations so we don't get disappointed. But I say, I'd rather be disappointed nine times out of ten and succeed on the one time out of ten than to never set any expectations and fail ten out of ten times. You'll learn more from getting hurt than you will from never going there. Yeah. Now that doesn't apply to shark bites. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, True enough. I thought they'd throw it out there. Hey, oh, I'll, I'll tell you something interesting. I was, uh, on a personal note, because I think this is what listeners like to hear. They like to hear personal anecdotes, not just generalizations a lot. But that's what I enjoy about our talks when I play them back, right? I was uh, down in Disney World uh, for a family vacation, and uh, daughter and I were there. And I had such a great experience snorkeling in Maui. Um, and this was years and years ago. All I remember was that uh, snorkeling was really fun, and I saw fish, and it was exciting. And so here I was at the Disney World Resort, and anybody who's been to Animal Kingdom knows that there's a pool there that's a safe pool. It's 20 foot long, and uh, well, maybe, maybe longer than 20 feet. Let's just say it's about a small swimming pool length, um, lengthwise, and depth is 20 feet deep, actually. And it had a, a snorkeling pool. Basically, they, they stock it with you know fish and exotic fish and stuff like that, and you can actually interact with them. But you just, they give you the snorkel, and you snorkel from one end to the other, right? Sounds easy, right? Yeah. I get into uh, the pool and thinking about what a great experience I had in Maui, you know? <laughs> and I thought, I'm going to duplicate this experience here. And the greatest thing is they stock all the fish. I don't have to go looking for them, right? So I put the snorkel on. And in my excitement, I didn't tighten the mask tight enough. And for those of you who have snorkeled, you know it covers your eyes and your nose. And then you breathe through the tube, right? Yeah. Well... One flaw is if you don't tighten the mask well enough, the water goes up your nose and not through your mouth. <laughs> and what happened is because it wasn't tight enough, and I thought I had it on pretty tight, all the when I when I dipped my head in the water, the water went up through my nose 
And then I gasped and I swallowed a whole mouthful of, of salt water. And I mean, it's not the most pleasant to, to swallow a whole thing of salt water when you're snorkeling because then you kind of choke, which I kind of did. And then I end up grabbing onto the side of, uh, uh, of one of these uh, rock formations, which could be an artificial, but the more insulting part of it was that, meanwhile, this little five-year-old was just paddling their way across the whole <laughs> <world>. <laughs> Probably not even overthinking it like I did. I had such a high level of expectation. I was a little bit uncertain about the outcome, but I must say... It didn't exactly meet my expectations. However, I did get to see one fish, which was uh, almost like a, a mini stingray type fish. It wasn't a harmful type, but it, that what shocked me on top of it. As I was gasping for air, <laughs> I, uh, I looked down at the stingray and I thought, wow, that's a big stingray. And it's so close. I've never seen one that close. But um, my thought was that we can set high expectations of events based on previous experience. We can be disappointed. Am I glad I did it? Eh, five out of ten on that one. <laughs> but I gotta say, I'm more content that I tried to do it than not done it at all. Because I would have always wondered what it would have been like in that pool if I hadn't gone. And maybe I would have made it up to be a bigger thing or better thing than it actually was. Oh, you bet. We're, you know, I'll give you an example, you know, where I told yourself and our listeners that we've been doing yoga and we're now about nine months into a yoga program right and we do it off of youtube um that's cool and, and uh you know we, we probably get four or five maybe some sometimes every day of the week and we're we're basically redoing a 30-day thing so you know it, even though we've seen it before mm-hmm because 30 days is quite a bit, you know, you don't remember everything that's in that particular day. Right. And, and it's kind of set up so that you don't do the same moves all the time. Or So anyway, yesterday we were doing it and there was one there that uh, I'd done in the past, but I, I basically failed on it. I got, of all things, I got a minor hamstring cramp, but I didn't succeed at the one move. Right. So, you know, I got a, a and that, that, my expectation was that I could, but I, as you said, at least you tried, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, as, as we get older, I, I tend, I think that we tend to uh, um, cut ourselves off before we give ourselves a full chance. Sometimes too, like we start to be more cautious, and I think that's that's the that's not a good thing to do. I think it's actually better to actually continue to keep yourself youthful and young by reaching out and taking chances, because if you don't then you age very quickly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think uh, in, in that uh, statement you made, I think maybe one of those things that, that keeps you mentally young is lifelong learning. Right, right. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a university, university course. It can be, you know, any, any different way of learning. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a really good example. Uh, you know, we were visiting... Uh, my wife's brother, oh, in the, on the August long weekend, and he had a bunch of kind of old wagon wheels there that had a variety of, of uh, different size metal rings to it and, and some hubs and all this sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, my wife took an artistic look at these things and says, you know, I could make something out of that. And, and her brother said, well, you know, if you had a welder, you could tack these all together and, 
you know, all that sort of stuff. So anyway, you know, light bulbs go off for calling, like, I think I'd like a welder. <laughs> so, you know, for, for uh, metal art. You know, right. So good old Canadian tire, we get back home and pick up the flyer. Holy cow, there's a, a MIG welder uh, and flex core welder combination wire feed on for half price. Mm -hmm. So we pick that up and the goal is to is to get into a little bit of, of metal art over the foreseeable future. And there's a great example of learning. Right. Right. So you know you you don't have to do it from an academic perspective. There's there's so many other ways to to uh, throw that into your life. Yeah, no, that's cool. I mean, it's funny that um, you know when we think about uh, you know the whole uh, our own journey um, as individuals, we go through this exploration phase when we're young, um, being so curious about everything. We're uncertain about whether or not we can eat or breathe or or have enough food actually in the beginning but then we have parents and and people around us to nurture us and then we get through the phase where those basic needs are taken care of there's less uncertainty and then we go into more champagne problems of you know what movie to watch and <laughs> what school <laughs> we go to right well, our expectations change and then the base expectations are that we're going to be fed and taken care of and being clothed and all these things then we lead into our next topic about contentment and appreciation. Um, and that's our little segue there, like how we, not uh, along with the idea of taking chances and, and setting high expectations, being content and happy with what we have and appreciating it so we have more. So what are your thoughts on that, Jim? Yeah, it's uh, contentment, uh, I think, can put you in a, I'm going to use the example again in in a consciously competent state mm -hmm. you know you're not you're 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 content with where you're at what you're doing all those things and I don't know if you've ever found this Winston but when you when you do something and and you've reached that conscious competent state at it 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 flows it's it's somewhat easy, but it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, you know, well, I'll use another term called the uh, oh, um, oh, it's escaping me right now. It's going to come to me though, Winston. Okay. See, this is live, right? This is live. <laughs> See, this is how real we make it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you know, once once we learn to do something, we, we get so much more efficient at doing it, mm -hmm. and and you know, it's, I'm kind of going to compare it to playing a piece of music on the guitar. Once you've gotten there and you can play it repetitively, you know, you can pick the guitar up anytime you pick it up, and you can play that piece. And now you start to get into things like, um, you know, the um, the volume that you played at or, or that you, you know, part of the piece may have a little bit lighter or heavier touch on, on the strum or, or things like that. And you don't get into that until you're content with playing it and you, you're confident in your ability to be able to play it. Right. Right. So, you, you know, you, you, 
with that contentment, you, you also improve. Mm-hmm. I, I do agree. I mean, because you, you're starting to appreciate where you are and where you want to be, but you're not in a, a state where you're, um, I mean, you're unsatisfied. I mean, you know, let's take an example. Let's say you're, you're uh, uh, making a burger on the barbecue. Uh, I don't know how many of you barbecued, but probably a lot of you. But I always go through a phase of what I call the one hamburger rule. <laughs> I like your 310, so I had to come up with something, right? <laughs> so, um, the, the one hamburger rule is that the first hamburger in a batch usually sucks, so you got to toss it out. And the reason why that happens is because as you're firing up the grill, you're getting all the, the you know, the, the juices rolling and... And then as you fire up the first hamburger or the first hot dog, it seems like there's always something wrong with it. Uh, it can't seem to get the same flavoring or the glazing or the browning or the grill lines. So I usually use that one as my gimme. I just fire up, I use that burger to mush it around all over the grill to make sure it has uh, heat all over the place. And I use it as my tester rat. And then I get to the, my serious grilling and that's when I put on four patties or five, right? Yeah. And it's funny. Um... I just start to appreciate that that that's the way it is for the, the cooking. I mean, I'm sure professional chefs of the barbecue land would say I can make every barbecued uh, burger work. And I, I send them kudos for being able to do that. But I'd rather burn one than burn 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your, your choice of topics is outstanding. It just, to segue back to where we were, uh, sure. the term I was looking for was learning curve. Ah, yes, the learning curve. You know, so, I mean, as you learn to do something, you're going to have errors in it or it's going to take you longer to do it. The second time, it's going to be quicker and the third time. And then you get to a point of it's almost automatic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that uh, that whole learning curve process right? can, you know, certainly, you know, you look at really, really skilled tradesmen and they just have the confidence in being able to do what they do. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's what's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and um, you know, when I think about um, what we've been talking about today, value and uncertainty, setting our expectations low, uh, setting our expectations too low, I mean, uh, contentment and appreciation, it also lends to uh, like a light on the horizon about unlimited and limited growth and potential. And what we're, what we're talking about here is that um, how do you see your life? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a half glass empty or half glass. It's not half glass full or glass half full. <laughs> hey, I love this. I'm playing with words in a different way to sort of mix it up a bit, right? But if you are thinking about unlimited growth, what's the first thing that you think of, Jim? Like when I, when I give you that term, unlimited growth, what do you see in the world that's unlimited? What is unlimited? Mm-hmm. I'm just curious because I think we're programmed to believe I, that things are limited in some way. Yeah, yeah. I the first thing that came into my mind was human potential. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, now we can spin that in a thousand different directions. Mm-hmm. But um, in in the expectations to the limited and unlimited, mm-hmm. uh, and I think in our social networks. Now, in a, in a true friendship, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter that you have expectations or, or, or 
you know, close friends. It's, it's not about that. You know, friendship goes deeper than that. But within our social circle, it doesn't hurt to have some people within that network mm. that have some expectations of you that are high or in such a way that they, they challenge you somewhat. Mm-hmm. Right? It, 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 overdone, that's terrible. You, you probably would sever any relationship with that person. But in the right dose, that can be really valuable within your social network. Okay, cool. So, you know, now we take that into the unlimited and limited growth. And in the, in the growth part, you know, maybe what makes our the, a potential unlimited aspect to our growth is that there's someone out there who's presenting those challenges. Right. Or, right. or and it could be a, you know, it could be a, a joint challenge. You know, maybe you're, you cycle with somebody that you've got to work to stay up with. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, back in the day when I skied a lot, I, one of the best ways to become a better skier was to ski with somebody who is better than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. some patterning you can observe how good a skier they are. So, you know, they have an expectation that you're going to not hold them back, right? So you've, you've got to bring your game up somewhat, right? Right. So, you know, that's, that's just kind of a, a way to look at that, you know, totally outside of the workplace. But, you know, and, and I know in any sport, if, if you step into playing with a higher level group of athletes, it's going to bring your game up too, mm-hmm. because there's expectations of performance there, right? You know, you're, there's there's certain things that are gonna gonna be expected of you when you step up a level in a sport, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there wouldn't be many Olympians there if they didn't always have that unlimited growth aspect to their pursuit. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's really cool, man. I mean, when I think about uh, human potential, it is unlimited because think of all the ingenuity around no matter what the state of the economy, right? It's, yeah, yeah. You know, we always make, like, even when things seem dire, somebody always comes up with something to fix something <laughs> or sell us something that we never thought we needed, you know? Yeah, and I... I... I saw something this this winter. I had the time to do a little bit of uh, construction um, research, mm-hmm. or you know, construction engineering things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, the compressive art, which has been around since the Roman times, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't usually get built much anymore because of the construction method to do it. But a company down in Richmond has come up with constructing lock blocks. So that they make a, a compressive arch, right, right. And they've come up with a, a zipper truck that has rollers on it, with a, that angles from a lower point in the back end of the truck to a higher point in the front end of the truck. That when you build the compressive arch on that truck and drive forward, it falls all together. Oh wow! And it's it's really cool. It's it's old construction method with with some ingenuity put to it in. And I see so many applications for that, you know, underpasses, walkway underpasses, uh, 
you know, uh, creek channels. Uh, they even said they would be coming used for wine cellars because, you know, you can put the earth all around it and get a constant cool temperature and, and things like that. Mm. And they're incredibly structurally sound because the more compressive load you put on it, the stronger they are. They're not right. going anywhere. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, so, you know, it's just an old idea with some new ingenuity. It was really, really cool. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that, you know, that it would get such a large uh, application. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's still somewhat in the developmental stage for the company that's that's developed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, they're in the initial marketing phase of it. But, you know, they have clients knocking at their door and, and you know, plenty of times in uh, the municipal construction situations, you need that underpass for something. And it's actually got a really good mining um, application to it for conveyor belt uh, uh, passages through, you know, um, existing topographies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Wow, cool, man. I mean, it's almost like it made me think about just the, you know, just how applicable certain things are, how we can come up with different applications for products that we hadn't seen before. Um, I had this funny story I was going to share with you. I sell this product uh, in my um, uh, in my business that uh, helps sewer line um, detection of blocked lines. And, uh, you know, not to get too technical here, but basically it's a, sound generator that sends a sound wave down the manhole and then on the other side there's a microphone that receives that sound and then analyzes it to determine how blocked the lines are. So from a homeowner's perspective it's as if you could send a sound down your your uh, bathroom sink or toilet and um, detect where the blockage is or, or how blocked that line is. So that, that's my immediate application so that's that's its potential. but. Uh, recently in the news, um, uh, there was a boa constrictor snake that got found in a, in a storm drain line in the city of Victoria. <laughs> and it was kind of random. They believe it's probably a pet owner that just discarded their snake in the sewer and then it grew. Because when the camera cu- truck came by and video cameraed it, they saw this huge snake, which they believe would either be some kind of... Um, uh, they're not sure exactly which snake, what type of snake it is, but they haven't gotten that close yet, right? <laughs> But they do know it's about six feet long. So now it's stuck in this storm drain, uh, in the storm sewer, and they blocked off the exits on both sides, and they're trying to figure for a way to get it out. And my suggestion was, is why not try taking the device that I, I had loaned them, and which they are going to rent for a while, and um, see if they could um, scare the thing into a net or something and re- humanely remove it from the storm drain. But that's unlimited potential here. <laughs> it could potentially be dangerous as well. But I just thought I'd throw that out there as unseen potential um, for something that wasn't intended, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's there's all sorts of applications for, uh, for things. Um, you know, this morning, doing a little bit of uh, internet searching and stuff and and uh, the the amount of pellets in the world mm-hmm. that you know for shipping that end up just you know one or two time use and then they're they're sitting somewhere and never getting used there's you know a whole reuse idea with these things you know whether you dismantle them and reconstruct them into something or 
I actually went online. There's there's three or four sites on there that say, well, you know, you just take the pellet and you, you can actually build walls with them and build a tiny house with them or a cabin or all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. You know, just through looking at things from a different angle. Right. You know what, you know, okay, it's not cost effective to bundle these up and send them back to where they came from. So, you know, they just end up getting discarded because they're, you know, it's, it's a cost of shipping, right? So, right. you know, there, there's, there's so much potential to what you could use them for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, it, it's just funny that we, you know, I mean, I love those life hacks when people uh, take a product and, and make it into something more useful. And it wasn't even intended for that, that purpose. And, and in a way, if we look at it from this way, Let's turn it on. Let's turn uh, uh, everything into perspective here. You know, look at all the times that we've looked at things from one angle and only seen its potential without seeing that um, that there's a, an untapped potential belief, uh, underneath all of that. Um, for example, let's say you've always wanted to be playing uh, offense in the lead scorer of a hockey team, and then it turns out that aside from being a great scorer and playmaker, you're actually better as a defenseman, which doesn't get the same kind of glory, honestly, but the difference is that everybody that plays the game knows that without good defense, you can't have much of a, of a game, right? So it doesn't matter if you score 10 goals if you let in 11, you know? Uh, yeah, offense puts people in the stands, defense wins championships. Yeah, for sure. They're the most undervalued but critical component to any winning team, you know? So... Uh, our local team, the Canucks, has fairly decent uh, defense, but their offense is a little weak. So again, you can't win a game without putting some pucks in the net, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in a, we're, I think you know we're for the faithful out there. I think we're entering a few years of transition here. There's, you know, it's obvious that a rebuild is imminent. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm like uh, with you on that. It's like. I think it's going to be a long rebuild before that happens, but it's okay. Something to look forward to. Got to appreciate what we have and be somewhat content we even have a team, not like our, <laughs> you know, not like our basketball team, which got carted away. So I'm happy we even have a place to, <laughs> to cheer on, right? <laughs> well, we could, be, we could be perpetually Leafs fans and be complaining all the time too. True, true. <laughs> you know? So let's toss something new into the talk there. Let's talk about how intuition plays into this whole thing about uncertainty, expectations, contentment, and growth. What do you think? How does intuition play a role there, Jim? Give me an example. Well, I mean, we can calculate things as much as we want, but if your intuition tells you to, to try something or to go in a direction, you know, mm -hmm. and we ignore it so often, mm -hmm. but it, it can certainly be in the right direction and maybe the direction you're destined to, to go in mm -hmm. you know and we you know we talk quite a bit about investing and and our intuition on certain things that you know we really haven't put our money towards and although you you've had some success in that area and, and you know I, I really think that uh, that 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 plays a role in in stuff too you know you can sit there and watch BNN's uh, program nightly program with the guest analysts and you know hear their take on all that sort of stuff and, and maybe even, you know, buy something that they suggest and, and, uh, but it, it's probably not your intuition from that perspective. 
Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've ignored that on the investing side. And if I would have followed my intuition, there'd be more money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't you 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 can learn from looking backwards, but you have to take that learning forward. I'm with you on that. It's like, um, you know, you know, you can intuition is a funny thing. It doesn't, you know. I think the people have the mistaken thought that intuition saves you grief. It doesn't necessarily save you grief. It might steer you towards the path of most growth. And I think that's what people resist. The the path that intuitively you're drawn to may not be the easiest route. And I think if people would realize that, they wouldn't be disappointed when their intuition is telling them to do something that may not be comfortable to them. For example, if you're in a relationship that's not really working, your gut might be saying, or gut or intuition might be saying, leave this person. But your comfort side will say, no, it's very comfortable. Now, leaving that person may not be the most comfortable or uh, initially rewarding uh, outcome because maybe your social circles rely on that person or or finances or otherwise. But you know, if you look at the bigger picture, your intuition is guiding you in a way that's going to guide you to a you know potentially greater growth, maybe as an individual or maybe for a new journey that you're meant to be on to meet someone else or to meet new experiences that you would never embark on with that other person in your life. Now those things can feel painful at the time, but they don't necessarily mean that they're the wrong path. So intuition didn't steer you wrong if it made your life a little bit more difficult, because that may be momentary. It may not be per like a, a permanent change. Yeah, um, very hypothetical um, situation. Okay. And certainly know people who've been in that that position. Right. And, and I completely agree with one caveat mm -hmm. that maybe you're just going through a bad patch and you need to work on the relationship to see that it's it can stay. And if you've done that and your intuition tells you at that point that going a different way is a better way to go, then, then I would agree with you. Yeah, no. And this is not a relationship talk, but... Um, no, I, I know, it's just... I, I figure I throw it out there, and, and yeah. I, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of times that we, we call it quits too early on a lot of things, and relationships aren't things that I would take lightly to, to call it quits on, because um, I think a lot of times that the potential is never seen. You know, like, you don't value what you have until it's gone a lot of times, right? I think Joni Mitchell said it in the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny how... Uh, you know, our, our um, talks always take an interesting uh, pace, you know? I mean, they, they, they pick up on a little bit of the, the uncertainty of what are we going to bring to this table, and then we go back and we try to bring it back to the seize the day philosophy of making it interesting and entertaining at the same time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we were talking about um, limit Unlimited and limited growth. Right. And um, in that spin, something came to mind, something Wayne Dyer would always say. Mm -hmm. When you change it, how you look at something, what you look at changes. I like that. I like that. So, you know, some, sometimes we're, you know, we're looking at things from the wrong angle or, or from a 
predetermined or um, a perspective that's that's kind of ingrained in us for whatever reason. Right. And uh, I encountered a, a speech, and I think I talked about this last time, David Foster Wallace's speech, This is Water. And, and that's, you know, that's maybe a, a great way to, to consider things is to look at something from someone else's or a different perspective or belief system and see how things fold out from there. Hmm. Deep. Man. Man, I think we went pretty deep this time. <laughs> Woo! You know, I'm so looking the 20 at... 20 foot end of the pool, Winston. <laughs> oh my gosh, you just gotta go and hit those stingrays, I tell you. <laughs> Don't drink too deep on that salt water is all I can say. We're, today is like one of our... This must be our extra large edition. Because today I'm clocking us in at close to 48 minutes for our talk. And usually we usually run it at a palatable... 30 or so, but I tell you, sometimes you got to go for a longer drive, you know? <laughs> and then we got, we cater to that need. If you're on a longer drive that happens to be 45 minutes away, this is your episode. That's for you. <laughs> Excellent. Our, our listeners will enjoy that on their, their next podcast experience. We also wanted to add to the value of uncertainty here. You were expecting 30 minutes. We gave you 49 above it. <laughs> That's because you set your expectations too low. But now you're content and appreciate the extra effort because it's unlimited potential. <laughs> <laughs> so on that super positive note, yeah, we're going to end episode 11. You betcha, brother. And uh, we're, Winston and I are both going to think exceptionally hard about where we go with episode 12, our anniversary edition. And thank you in advance for joining us for that monumental day that's coming up soon. Don't miss it. We don't have a trailer for it, but you won't want to miss episode 12, our annual Seize the Day, brother. <laughs> have a great day, everyone. You bet. All right, take care, Jim. Bye-bye, Winston. See ya.